Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Come on, how good was that message from Pastor Meredith last week? as we kicked off a new series called For the One. Man, as we walked through the life of Luke, and it was such a timely message. It was an incredible message, and I hope you are here for it. That was a little recap, but if I haven't met you yet, my name is Tracy, and I'm part of the team here, and I have the honor and privilege of connecting you to your next thing. I oversee a few ministries, and if you have not figured it out yet, I am not the pastor. But last week, or last year, I had the incredible privilege of preaching my first message ever. And today, I get to do it again, and I'm so honored and excited. I'm so glad you all are excited because I'm up here sweating. My hands are nervous a little bit. The back of my knees are about to give out. But I always say that the place that I want to always be found is in obedience to whatever God is telling me to do. And before Pastor Phil and Pastor Meredith even asked me to preach today, that night before, I remember I was praying and I was doing some studies and God said, you're gonna preach again. I need you to go tell your boss. And the next day I showed up in Pastor Phil's office and they had already had me on the schedule and had yet to ask me. So I am so glad that I stay in obedience to all that he has and I'm so excited about it. But before I go any further into this service, if you know that we have two amazing leaders in Pastor Phil and in Pastor Meredith, I want you to give them the biggest cornerstone shout so they can hear you from wherever they are right now. You both are incredible leaders. I'm thankful for who you are, who God has made you to be, how you lead each one of us and follow the hand of God in every decision that you make. Thank you for all that you do. But we're gonna head right into this series. You guys ready? All right, we're gonna be continuing into the series for the one, and I want you to turn to Luke 9, starting in chapter 10. If you have a physical Bible, if you're going to be on your phone, if you don't have a Bible, that's totally okay. Our amazing team back there is going to have it on the screens for you, and we are starting in Luke 9, chapter 10. And it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew, to by, withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lounging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. What did they say? You give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in about groups of 50. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to the heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. 
Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute. Who distributed it? Then they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. God, I'm so thankful that you are in this space, that you were here before each one of us arrived today. I pray that you find words that hit a good soil today. Lord, I ask that the words that you have given to me, the message that you have given me, go in good soil and good ground and produce good fruit for years to come. I ask that we have open ears and open heavens during these next few minutes. I thank you for what you're going to do in your mighty name. Amen. So my husband and I, we have been married going on 13 years next month. And yeah, that, that definitely deserves a round of applause for this guy right here. He has put up with me for over 13 years, lots of ups, lots of down, and I'm so thankful for who he is in my life. And we have been doing life for more than actually 13 years, about 15 years, but been married for going on 13 years. And when we first got married, we quickly realized that neither one of us are handy people. Anything having to do with tools or equipment or vehicles, anything having to do larger than a screwdriver is just not in our wheelhouse. Like, it's so bad that we have a hot pink toolkit at home that's kind of like the color of my shirt and when you open it there's not really tools in it it looks like it belongs to my daughter who's 12 years old and there's just no tools inside of this thing but la last year maybe a few years ago we were looking at getting a new vehicle we needed a new vehicle because our kids are growing and they're in sports and if you have any kids in sports you know they have big luggages for some reason nowadays that you have to track along with you everywhere you go it doesn't matter what sport they're in, if they're in dance, if they're wrestling, if they're in football, they have huge things that you need to get. So we needed to get a new vehicle. And so we did just that. We got a new vehicle. And last summer, when I was walking out to my vehicle, lo and behold, there is not one, but there are two big bolts in my tire. And where they're at, located in the tire, makes it unrepairable. They can't really repair where they were at. And we're looking at that going, oh gosh, what are we supposed to do with this? And my husband is hours away from leaving on a flight to California. Now you might think that the problem is that my husband needs to get on a plane and needs this vehicle to get to the airport. Now we have a second vehicle. The problem is he is not leaving me here in Ohio without four rolling working tires that day. But thankfully, yeah, thankfully we know that enough about vehicles of how to change a tire. It's about one step up from knowing how to use a screwdriver. And so we go to the vehicle and we open up the trunk and we're looking there. And did you know that newer vehicles nowadays, that it is an upgrade that you have to purchase in order to get the spare tire or any tools in the vehicle? Yeah, you're probably thinking in your head right now, oh, I need to go check my car absolutely do that after this message is done because we were standing there looking at where there should be a tire and there's I mean we're looking everywhere we're looking under seats we're looking under the car we opened up the engine at one point this is how much we do not know about vehicles I didn't know maybe they had foldable tires nowadays who who knows what was going on but we're standing there and all that is right there the only resource that we have is this fix-it tire kit that is screwed into where there obviously should be a tire the problem is 
When the tire itself is not fixable, this tire fix-it resource kit that I have does absolutely nothing. So do you know what my husband and I are doing next? Yeah, I'm fine. Did somebody say hugging? We, <laughs> we are definitely not hugging. We are definitely arguing at this point because neither one of us know actually what we're doing or what we're supposed to go with. We are not hugging it out. We are arguing this thing out because we just don't have the resources that we need to fix the problem in front of us. But then my amazing husband remembers that we have a friend who has the same brand vehicle that we do. So he calls him up and is telling him our problem and they both come over, him and his wife come over and all I can do at this point is provide pizza. I have no toolkit that's hot pink with nothing in it and a tire that does not exist. And so they come over and we're trying to figure out this whole situation and this guy that we invited over is handy as all can be. He knows tires, he knows electricity, he knows vehicles. He probably could YouTube something and figure it out right in that moment. And after pivoting quite a bit of times, because did you know that lug nuts can swell as well in the summer? And that the remove, yeah, somebody, somebody really said a yes right there, hit home for you. Yeah, it doesn't come off. But thankfully after a few trials and errors and all of us getting involved, I finally had four rolling working tires and my husband was allowed to go on his trip. But that day, my husband and I had a problem that none of our own personal resources could fix, that none of our hot pink tools were not cut in it. Anything that we had in our possession was not enough for what we found ourselves in. And the disciples found themselves in a very similar situation. Let me give you a little bit of a backstory. So if, you, if you've been around a while and you've been following Jesus, this is not gonna be new for you. But for those of you in the room that I've met this morning who are new to your faith, new to who Jesus is, you're just trying to walk this out right now, I just wanna say well done. Because every single person to the left and to the right of you, no matter where you're sitting, has started somewhere. So keep asking the questions, keep pushing in, keep studying who Jesus is, because he will reveal himself in so many new ways as you continue to walk it out. So I just wanna encourage you to keep going with it. And so the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. They are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are individuals who followed Jesus. They followed him closely. They were in vicinity of him. They followed his teachings. They were with him everywhere that he went. And outside of the crucifixion and the resurrection, there is one other thing that they all wrote about which is the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Now, the disciples had been sent out by Jesus to go preach about the kingdom of God, and they had now returned from healing people, preaching the kingdom of God, and were now back to report to Jesus all that they had done and all that they had seen. And Jesus, knowing who Jesus is, people followed Jesus everywhere. There was just something about Jesus that people wanted to know about, and they followed him everywhere. But Jesus, probably recognizing that his disciples needed some rest, tell them to get into a boat so they could head to the vicinity of Bethsaida, which is really located off the Sea of Galilee, so that they can go get some rest. And we know through Mark's account that the purpose of this trip was rest because he said the purpose of the trip was rest and that they didn't even have time to eat before they got in the boat. 
Mark is my type of guy to insert in there a subtle complaint in your writings that this is what you decided was important is that I'm gonna put in here that I had to leave and I was hungry myself. That is my type of guy right there. So they get into the boat and they start heading out to their destination and before they arrive, the word had spread that Jesus is heading that way. So people are arriving from everywhere and they are met with a crowd of people. And if I was one of those disciples, I would have been like, hold up, let's reverse this thing. We are not going that way. I am so sick of people right now. You literally just had us come back from preaching and doing all these things, and you want us to go with more people right now? And we know through scripture that Jesus was moved by compassion. He's moved by compassion, and he welcomed them. He welcomed them. And this is really where the scripture starts to pick picks up in our story because in Luke 9 or Luke 9:11 when it says, "But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing." Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, "Send this crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging." because we are in a remote place here. Seems logical, right? Seems like something you and I would say. We're looking, it's starting to get dark. People are hungry. I'm hungry myself. Let's send these people away so they can go take care of themselves. But Jesus, in true Jesus form, says you give them something to eat. Now, I've read and I've studied scripture. I continue to study scripture because every time I think I get past something, he has something new for me, what I just thought I finished, and something new pops out every single time I study and get through scripture. So I'm looking back, but the one thing I have not found yet is that awkward pause during this portion of it because surely there had to be an awkward pause between these disciples and Jesus when Jesus is saying, you feed them. I like to put myself in scripture, and so I can imagine myself standing there right next to Jesus, looking at Jesus, having a stare down, and he's saying, you feed him, and you go, so what? You want, you want me to feed who? And you look out, and there is a sea of people in front of you, and you're looking back at Jesus, and he's just staring at you saying, you feed him. And you're looking out, and you don't actually know what else to do at this point. And this is where personalities, you know when high situations are happening, and this is when personalities start to come out. You and I all have default personalities, whether or not they're good or bad. You know that you have a default personality. Don't leave me hanging up here like I am the only one who has a default, thank you, who has a default personality. You either go back to your safety net or you kind of get quiet or you push into different things. Or my favorite one is taking a nap. If I find myself in a high situation, I'm just gonna take a nap and sleep this thing out. And the disciples are no different. They find themselves in this high pressure situation and their personalities start to come out. One of the disciples, his name is Philip. And he is your crunching number type of person. He is your data informed, trying to pull out, does he have enough money? Does he have all the things that he needs? He starts toot, toot, toot. He is that annoying mouth whiz who can just put up any number. He is my 13 year old because man, he can just do anything with any numbers and is trying to crunch anything at this point and comes up with the outcome, this can't be done. 
And then you have good old Andrew, who finds a little boy that has two fish and five loaves. And he goes, hey, hey, I found a, I found a little boy. He has two fish and five loaves. And he is your solution-oriented type of guy. He's trying to find out what he has around him that he can make this situation go. He's basically our security team going, hey, what you got there? Bring that over to me. Trying to figure out if we have what they need. And at the end, comes up with the same outcome, saying this, this can't be done. I don't have this. But here is Jesus staring at them, saying, you feed them. You feed them. What do you have? What resources do you have around you? What do you have in your hand? What have I provided you with that can help you in these situations? What have I provided you to help you with that refugee that just arrived in your community last week, but instead you keep talking about what's actually just going on in their country, and you decide not to step into the situation to get them acclimated here in the United States? Or that mom that's struggling to feed five kids, but you yourself, you have some food at home and you know that you have more than enough and you can actually help them, but you decided just to turn your cheek and not actually go out and help them. Or that dad that society has labeled a deadbeat because we're so judgmental sometimes, but in reality, he's just trying to get through addiction and doesn't know what else to turn, but you yourself have gone through addiction in your life and you know some steps that he can take so that he can start moving forward in what he needs to do. Or that child that's in your class who is going through suicidal thoughts or depression and you yourself as a child went through some depression and suicidal thoughts and then you met a counselor who then connected you to Jesus and now you're walking in the freedom of that, but you're just holding it to yourself because you don't actually want to consider the resources that you have in front of you. You don't want to actually consider what's actually happening right in front of you, that you actually stay away from what you're actually called to do for the people that Jesus has set inside of your class. Have you ever considered that what you have within your hand and within your reach is more than enough to change the outcome of a situation? Or are you shying away from what Jesus actually wants you to do for the ones that he has set in front of you? When you look back, on your life, how many opportunities did you miss because you didn't feel equipped for the task or didn't account for all the resources that you had around you? How many times did you miss it? Basketball great Michael Jordan said the following, that I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Given all of that failure, do you know who wanted the ball more than anyone when the game was on the line still? Michael, Michael knew who he was. Michael wanted that ball every single time, even given his failures that he counted, he wanted the ball every single moment he could because he knew who he was. He knew who he was made to be. He knew the resources that he had. He knew he had a coaching staff that he could pull on so that he could start really getting equipped. He knew he had a team that he could pull on. He knew the gifts that he had. Are you letting your past failures and your feeling of inadequacy keeping you from partnering with God for who he has in front of you today? Are you letting yourself go by that, by yourself trying to figure out your own situation? Maybe somebody told you you wouldn't amount to something. 
Maybe you didn't grow up in a supportive household. Maybe a teacher came to you and said that dream is never going to come through true. Maybe the enemy has got into your ear and now you're talking out of your own tongue saying, oh, I'm never gonna get out of debt. Oh, I'm never gonna be able to get that education. I'm never gonna be able to get that promotion because I'm not educated enough. I'm never gonna be able to get into a healthy relationship because I'm not worth it. How are you viewing yourself? What resources do you have on yourself? Maybe you're telling yourselves these lies and you're just throwing it up saying, well, this is just how my life is. This is just how it's going to be. That this is just how Jesus has for my life. That you unintentionally are making Jesus the enemy in your situation. When you speak those out of your mouth, are you unintentionally making Jesus the enemy in your situation, in your negative thinking and this can't be done attitude? And here we are with Jesus wanting to feed 5,000 people and the disciples are feeling the pressure of the situation around them. They feel inadequate. They feel unsure. They're telling themselves lies that they can't be done. They feel inadequate themselves. They don't actually know what to do and they're waiting to hear just kidding from Jesus. And they're staring back at him and he's staring at them and you're looking out and you have no clue what to do. And they feel this pressure right there because Jesus is saying, you do it. You feed them. I remember when I first stepped on staff, actually right before I stepped on staff, I got offered the position and I took a few days to pray about it. Because like I said, I always want to be found in a place of obedience of whatever Jesus has for me. Wherever Jesus drops me, that's where I want to be. So I took some time to pray about it. And I made an agreement with God when I said, yes, I'm going to take this. And I would later find out that this is like a one-sided agreement. Have you ever made a one-sided agreement with God and you thought... You thought what you were agreeing to, you both were agreeing to, and you later would come back and figure out that ain't, that ain't actually what Jesus said. Well, this is where I found myself. And we had been partnering with an organization. I had been here four weeks, okay? Four weeks is all it took. It actually can happen quicker than that. Where I walked into staff and an organization that we partner with, which is funny enough that I'm on their board now, calls me up and says, hey, we have this dedication for a build that the church has been partnering with, that has poured volunteers, hours, poured finances into, and we have this huge event to get this dedication done. And there is going to be hundreds of people there, the news is going to be there, the mayor is going to be there, the senator is going to, there's going to be a whole bunch of people here, and we would love for the church to be part of it. Can you send your pastor or somebody out during this day so that they could pray. And I'm thinking, this is an amazing opportunity. Absolutely, I have just locked in my first thing in the first four weeks of me being on staff. So I take myself to Pastor Phil's office and I'm telling him about this whole adventure and I'm so proud that we get to be part of this. And do you know what Pastor Phil told me? You do it. Oh my gosh, I looked at him like he was crazy. Do you not know what I had just had an agreement with God about? I just told you I am not praying in front of people. That's the part I think I probably missed because I'm super nervous, but I didn't want to pray in front of people. That was my agreement with Jesus was that I don't wanna be in front of more than groups of 20 praying for anybody. And here Jesus is four weeks into me being on staff saying, you go and do it. And Phil looks at me, Pastor Phil looks at me and says, you do it. You have all the resources that you need around you right now to help you. Because I didn't grow up praying. I didn't grow up following Jesus. I found him a little later in life. 
and I'm so glad I did. But he, man, he will turn some situations around for you if you let him, and that's a good place to be. And if you're wondering how the end of that story is, Pastor Phil is very persistent, and I went ahead and I prayed at that event, and I did it myself. And this is where the disciples find themselves, with Jesus saying, you, you go do it. You feed them. But after looking at what they had in their hands, after looking down at the emptiness of what was right in front of them, after trying to use their mathematical minds, after trying to figure out, can I buy my way out of this, of the situation that's in front of them, after looking at what they actually had when Jesus is saying, consider your resources that you have, and you're pulling around, looking, trying to figure out what do you have. You come up to him, and you're looking at your hand, and you're looking around, and you have nothing. And that is one of the most frustrating places to be. When you are trying with all of your strength, with all of your might, with every resource that you have, and you can't come to grasp to help the situation, with what you have in your hand is not enough to help you. When you look down at your hand and it's empty, but you are still trying to do it in your own might, in your own will, in your own strength, when you're looking out going, yes, I'm trying to feed them, but Jesus, what I have in my hand isn't enough, and you're looking out at the situations that come in front of you, and you can't get this fixed yourself, you don't actually know what else to do, and you're trying to think, is the is the education that I have enough to get me out of what's happening right now? Do I have enough of what's around me after considering and getting creative and finding a little boy with two fish and five loaves who've never meant to share this thing in the first place? Have you considered what's in your hand? And after they considered what was in their hand, they've come up empty. I know that I'm frustrated all the time when I come up and I'm empty-handed and I'm trying to do things and I'm drained to the last bit of all I have when I'm looking in a toolkit that has empty places and I'm trying to figure out how am I gonna do this in my own strength and I come up empty-handed and what I have is just not going to make the cut. So with their shoulders slumped down and their head down low, with their hands opened up, they respond back to Jesus. You respond back to Jesus. What I have in my hand isn't enough. I don't have enough of what's in my hand. The resources that I have around me, Jesus, this isn't going to cut it for the mountain that is placed in front of me, for the people that you are calling me to. I don't have enough in my hand to do that because by themselves, they didn't have the correct resources. By themselves, they didn't have the correct answer. By themselves, they didn't have the right toolkit. By themselves, they could not change that tire. They did not consider their resources. With the resources of two fish and five loaves that they had, after they consider it, it can't be done. But they forgot to consider all of the factors of all of their resources to consider everything around them. The most important thing that they had, they knew they had a boy who had two fish and five loaves. They knew that they had direct access to Jesus who was standing there by themselves. They didn't consider all of their resources. They had seen Jesus perform signs, wonders, and miracles. They had just came back from a preaching tour where they, before this whole thing even started, they came back and that quick forgot that Jesus himself was standing right next to them, that they did 
did not bring the resources that they had to the source himself. They forgot to bring what they had to the source himself. Are you trying to do this in your own strength? Are you trying to keep your resources away from the solution? Are you trying to keep your resources here instead of bringing it to the source himself? They didn't consider that Jesus himself was standing right there. Are you trying to be the hero in your own situation? alone and scrambling, grasping for anything that you have, trying to use the education you have, the money you have, the things that you have in there, knowing that Jesus has called you to people that are standing right in front of you, but you yourself are trying to be the hero in your own situation instead of saying to Jesus, hey, this is what I have, Jesus. The emptiness of what I have in my hand, this is all I have right now, and Jesus, I need you to stay close to the situation because what I have isn't gonna cut it. What I have and what you've put in my reach isn't gonna cut it. I need you to step into the space that I know you can be. I know that I've seen you do signs, wonders, and miracles. I need you to stay so close to me, Jesus, that I can feel you breathing down my neck so that I can reach the people that I have because the resources that I have right now are not cutting it. They are not gonna help anybody around by yourself with the resources that you have, we're not going to see human trafficking come to an end. By yourself keeping just the resources that you have, we're not going to see addiction come to pass. By yourself holding what you have and the resources you have by yourself, you are not going to see addicts come free. You're not going to see suicidal thoughts go away. You're not going to see mental health issues go out the door. You're not going to see financial freedom. You're not going to be able to get. But together, when you consider the source of all of the resources that you have, and you bring it together, it can be done. You need to consider the resources help and do not throw in the towel before you see the miracle because your situation won't change. Our city won't benefit unless we take all that we have and who Jesus has called us to go after and say, Jesus, I need you right here with me. I need you, my source. You are the solution to every problem that we have. But when we start to try doing it in our own strength, when we try doing it in our own mind when we try doing it with what our head knowledge tells us to do and we say stay over there Jesus don't come over here I got it because we're so arrogant enough to say Jesus no I need you I surrender all that I am to you I know who you have called me to do and I can't do this by myself Jesus I need you to step right here right next to me if you move I move if I move I need you to move with me Jesus if you go over here I'm following real quick with you because I need you right here with me every single time every single moment of my life. Jesus, I need you to be the source. Are you considering that he is your source for everything that you need? Have you considered it? Have you also considered that he never asked you to do it alone? He never asked you to do it alone because before this story even started in John's account, Jesus asked the disciples, where shall we get food to feed these people, I'm paraphrasing. But the word we right there includes Jesus. But then high pressure situations come into account and now you're going, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. He never asked you from the first place to do it alone. He said, where shall we do this thing? How are we going to take care of the people that are right in front of us? How are we going to take care of the people that Jesus has called us to? How are we gonna go after the one? He never asked you to do it alone. So stop trying to do it alone each and every time. He never once asked you to do it. Now, remember in the beginning of this story, I mentioned that 
in Mark's account that he saw fit to put in his writings that he was hungry and that he had left hungry to go to the other side. And the disciples themselves didn't have time to eat. They probably wanted to send the people away because they themselves were hungry. They saw that the people that Jesus had put in front of them, the people that they were supposed to feed themselves were a distraction for the thing that they needed, that they needed fed, that they needed rest, that they needed something, that they needed more because he saw fit to put in there that they had to leave. They probably wanted to send them away because they knew that they were slowing down the opportunity And how dare Jesus ask them to feed other people when you yourself are hungry, when you yourself are tired, when you yourself are trying to grasp at different situations, when you yourself don't actually know what else to do. How dare Jesus step to you and say you feed them. How dare when you are hurting, when you are hungry, when you need something, when you're asking Jesus to step into your situation, how dare Jesus ask you to feed other people? How dare he ask other people? And you're staring at Jesus and you're mad. How dare he ask you to reach out to that woman who's hungry trying to feed her children when you yourself are hungry? How dare you try to reach out to that addict when you yourself are struggling with addiction right here in this room today? How dare Jesus ask you to reach out to the ones who are suicidal, who need help, who don't know what else to grab to, and you yourself are struggling internally by yourself? How dare Jesus look at you and say, you feed them, you feed my people. I need you to do the thing that I'm asking you to do that is right in front of your face. How dare Jesus step to you like that? Have you ever been so frustrated with Jesus to ask yourself, Jesus, what are you doing? You know I need something right now. There's something in me that I need. How dare you ask me to go after other people when I myself am a mess. I myself am struggling right now. I myself don't even know what my next move is. How dare you put different people in front of me right here in this moment? How dare you do that, Jesus? Because they thought it was taking away from them. And if we look right here at the last verse, it says they were all they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. Every single one of them. And there was more to go around. There was leftovers. What they thought was taking away from them for stepping into a situation was the actual thing that provided for them when they considered the source, when they brought everything that they had, all who they were to be, everything that God made them to be, and they considered the source. What they thought was going to be a journey, a longer journey of them being hungry, of them not being satisfied, of them not knowing what to do next, was the thing that fed them themselves. It doesn't take anything from each one of us to go after the ones that Jesus has placed in front of us. It takes nothing from us, it adds, and if this isn't proof enough, then I don't know what is. Jesus adds to it and then he leaves you with an abundance each and every time. Each and every time. And there's people in the room today that are broken 
you're hurting. You don't actually know what else to do. You don't know how to reach the people that Jesus has placed in front of you. You're hurting, you're tired, you're hungry yourself. You're confused, you're overwhelmed, you feel unwanted, you feel disqualified, you don't actually know what else to do. I want you to raise your hand in the room today. I'm not gonna ask you to move, I see your hands going up. If you are hungry, if you are hurting, if you are broken, if you don't know what your next move is, I see your hand going up. Jesus, I just need you to step into my situation because when I try to do it by myself and I'm trying to be the hero in my own situation, Jesus, I can't do it without you. How am I supposed to reach the ones that you have called me to do if you are broken, tired, if you're hungry yourself and you don't even know where your next meal is coming from. I see your hand with your hands lifted high. Raise them up. I am proud of you for saying, Jesus, I need you in my situation. I need to bring you all of my resources. I need to bring the source of everything to you, Lord, that I want you to take your resources and set it at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you in every portion of my life that cannot do this alone. I cannot do this alone. And for every hand raised right now, if you're standing by somebody with their hand raised, I want you to just put your hand over to them. Because this is when the church gets to be the church. Maybe the one that you are called for is the person that you're sitting right next to. Have you ever considered that the person, there's hands up all over this room. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. I see you up there. I see you. And so does Jesus. He sees the brokenness of this. But this is when we get to be the church, when we get to go after the ones who are broken, who are hurting, who are unsure what to do next, when Jesus has placed people in front of them that they need to reach, but they feel inadequate themselves. I just want you to start praying over them. Release in their mind, release in their freedom, release in the burdens that they're carrying, in the situations that they have swirling around them, in the things that they're trying to grasp towards, that they have no clue what they're even supposed to do next. Lord, I ask you right here in this moment to breathe fresh life. Lord, we never wanted to do it without you. Lord, I, we give it all to you. We say thank you. We say, Jesus, move into it. Be the source of who we need right now in these situations. Lord, I know that I'm not going to get out of this debt by myself, Lord, so I need you to step into it so I can help other people along the way. Lord, that mom that's right there that's struggling, I need you to give me that strength and that courage to go talk to them. Lord, with the resources that you have given me and the who you are as the source, I bow down to you and I say, Jesus, do what only you can do. Because that day, remember, they were able to feed over 5,000 people just by considering and Jesus stepping into the situation. And if that's you, I see you. I see you hurting. I see your hands still raised up high. I see the tears down your face. I see your next move towards Jesus. And I say, you are equipped. You are worthy. You are more than enough. He has given you everything that you need. You are valued. You are most high. You are precious in his eyes.
And He sees you just as you are. He sees you right where you are, even with your hand that's not lifted and internally you just don't wanna lift your hand because you don't want somebody else next to you to see that. That's okay, Jesus sees that. Jesus sees that. So remember to always bring the resources that you have when you're struggling in situations and grasping around to the source himself. Jesus, I'm so thankful for what you've done in these past few moments. I thank you for how you're here hovering over each one of us. Lord, as we continue in worship, that you reveal to us the ones that we need to go after us after, and consider the resources that we have in our hands, the emptiness of who we are without you, Lord. I say we hand it over to you. I say thank you for what you've done. May it hit good soil and produce good fruit for years to come. In your name, amen. amen.